David, I can't believe it's taken us five years to finally win an award. But now we have. It's time to implement the original master plan. Sell out to sponsors. Yes! 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 <laughs> and that's why we've obviously chosen our natural sponsor, an online food takeaway service. Thanks, Food Hub. Those lovely people at Food Hub have given us all the takeaways we want, so we can make you fat by downloading the Food Hub app. Right now, David and I are sat in a bathtub of Vindaloo with some spicy meatballs. Unlike other services, Food Hub supports independent and not charging a commission to the restaurant. This means buying from Food Hub is on average 15% cheaper than its rival with the same meal. And there's no service charge added to your bill, like those other thieving bastards like to do. So download the Food Hub app for exclusive offers and deals from participating restaurants, and get 15% off your first order with the code FYB15. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? You gotta download the Food Hub app. They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Hello, JD Raceford. Hello, David Hellard. Tell us, pray tell, who is on the <laughs> podcast later? Oh man, well we've did to have back to back to back really good episodes at the moment. Um, and long may it continue. But this one, we recorded this one with Power probably two months ago, six weeks ago. And it's our first proper European guest. We've we've not really spoken to someone who's like a big established name from the continent. And um, I didn't know much about Powell's personality beforehand. Obviously knew about his running, but he he basically is the best trail runner in the world at the moment. One last year's UTMB, and he is funny. He's interesting. He's very open. I I just love this guy. You're going to love this interview. So listen listen to that or look forward to that the main thing that will strike you is how amazingly prepared he is and how his his strategy doesn't change for everyone and he even calls his parents in the middle of the night mid-race just to motivate himself loved it loved it <laughs> no that's great do you call your parents in the middle of the night to to, to motivate yourself regardless of what you're doing <laughs> I don't think I'd call my parents even if I needed to get bail from a police cell. I'd be a... <laughs> they, uh... <laughs> is, that, is that because you'd be embarrassed to do that or is that because you don't think the, the, you'd be on the receiving end of any particularly useful... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Good, good point, good point. Um, would I call my parents from a race? Probably not. My mum's never been that into a to a running, and my dad would be, I think he'd be just wanting to get back to his own exercise or to doing the gardening. But um... <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you, of course, we record the um, the 
uh, outro at the time that we do the interview. So um, so we, we might have already talked about this a little bit as well. So this might be a bit of repetition. But I'll ask you a question, okay. If, it's, if there's something about what's coming up that is a little bit like um, who wants to be a millionaire, like phoning a friend. If you had, if you were a race, it's like you wouldn't phone your parents, okay, but if you're in a mid-race and you need pepping up, who would you phone? Oh, I'm going to say someone like, are we allowed to use people we don't know? Like, I mean, Timmy Mallet is going to give you a lot of energy. Right? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, you're allowed to choose someone you know, and you're also allowed to choose uh, an imaginary, uh, imaginary friend. I think I'd want to ch- oh, phone yeah. someone. I'd, I'd, I'd want Churchill. I want, I'd phone <laughs> up and I'd have Winston Churchill at the other end of the line and give me a speech to get me through to the end of the, uh, end of the race. Oh, because it, it also depends what drives you, whether you're driven through humour, anger, inspiration. Because you could phone someone just to get you really mad. Phone up Jeremy... <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson or, it's Clarkson or someone, and he'd tell you about how you should be driving a 4x4 four four instead of, and you'd be like, oh, <laughs> you'd end up tearing around the course. Um, I mean, obviously, I've got to say Briggsy. I have to call Briggsy, um, because Briggsy, she'll kill me. Briggsy's like. quite a good wing person, as it were, isn't she? She, she The thing with Briggsy is that you call her up, and you know, she'd be able to provide that kind of moral support as well. You could also then rope her into doing some sly tactic somehow with like some <laughs> psyching out like like you did with the with the MDS. Yeah, he, who are you calling then? Oh I call you. Oh would you Oh <laughs> so I didn't say you. Oh no. Oh no. So I wouldn't call, call me. I wouldn't call me in the middle of a race. <laughs> Any celebrities you'd call to um get you through it? Sasha Baron Cohen. Really? Interesting. I think, that would be, I think that would be a good choice. As one of his characters or just the man? I love the idea that he would answer the phone as one of his characters. Because I think that's what he does, doesn't he? he, when, he inter- when he does interviews and stuff, like he never breaks character. He'll say, oh, no. he'll, in advance, they'll say, like, from the moment he comes into the studio, he is in this character. Therefore, you have to treat it like that. And I like the idea of playing... Sasha Baron Cohen roulette. So you phone up, but you don't know who you're going to get. <laughs> is it going to be Borat? Is has it going to be Bruno? Is it going to be Ali G? Do you think he's got a receptionist that has, he has four different lines? <laughs> and they go, hello, uh, this, is, this is the office of the company. I don't want his, his overarching company would be called. But then they'd say, oh, I'm here for Borat. And they go, oh, very good. Yes, please. Yes. And then they... <laughs> They'd know from the colour. Pretend they're in Kazakhstan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This receptionist really finds that they have, they have to, they're roped into doing impressions of receptionists <laughs> from the different countries. Oh, Bruno, ah, yes, I, I'll put your suit on Bruno. But they, yeah. they'd, have to, they'd have to change a hat or they'd have to put on a moustache. They'd have to do something that made it a little bit more hilarious. A, a sitcom style. Um, who would I phone? I think phoning up someone like the band Survivor. That would be incredible, right? You suddenly get a live eye of the tiger down the phone for you. <laughs> and they're ab-living the words. They're changing the words to your circumstance. You're like, yes! They're, they're poised. 
point <laughs> one end of a phone ready for use. It's like that Yorkshire tea advert that they used, didn't it? Where you phone up the Yorkshire Kaiser tea cheese. And it makes the Kaiser cheese ready to play on the <laughs> But that is what you've got to look forward to. Uh Pow tells you three of the people he calls. And maybe a little one quiz for yourself. One of them's not Timmy Mallet. One of them's not Timmy Mallet. No spoilers there, but that one isn't Timmy Mallet. Talking about Timmy Mallet, who yeah. used to be on I'm a Celebrity. Oh, yes, yes. Have you been watching Mo? I have. I've not seen all of it, I've but I've watched, seen... I've, I've not been watching it at all. Give us, give, us a Mo, give us a Mo update. So the listener that doesn't know what I'm a Celebrity is, if you've ever seen Fear Factor... I'm a Celebrity is where they take celebrities, they put them in, it used to be a jungle, but now a castle. And it's a cross between Survivor and Fear Factor, where they make them do lots of tasks. I don't know what Fear Factor is. What's, I've never heard of that. you never heard of Fear Factor? No, I, I'm sure I'm a Celebrity is a bigger programme than Fear Factor. No, I mean, not outside of the UK. Fear Factor was huge. That was, um, that was the first television show I worked in, in TV. I had oh, to go... Oh, here we go. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not have heard of Fear <laughs> It was huge in the States, and then I they... Would have, I would have described... I'm a celebrity as, like, big brother, but you've got to do loads of disgusting tasks. That's what Fear Factor is. So they... <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> wait a minute. Fear Factor... Was Fear Factor before Big Brother? Yeah, Fear Factor would have been a year or two before, but... Not a huge amount before, I would have thought. It was one of those shows that was big enough that we watched the American one in the UK first, and then they decided to make a UK one. So that was one of my first tasks as a, as a runner. I had to go and buy a, um, a bucket of maggots. And so, yeah. Where did you go and buy that? Oh, I think I ended up going somewhere in Acton or Ealing to some... Some fisherman store. A bucket? Do they, do they sell them by the bucket? I think they even sell them by, like, the litre or by the pint. Yeah. It's something... By it the was, pint? <laughs> well, that's, well, that's what I ordered them in. Because I, I, I had to get this thing across London, and it really did stink. Um, it sounds like The Apprentice, actually. It sounds like an early version of The Apprentice, when they have to do that, <laughs> oh, and find 12... 12 caraway <laughs> seeds and you know, a bucket of maggots and you know yeah but i it would be i'd, I'd be there going it would it, be one year be like what is a bucket what is a maggot what is a maggot <laughs> no one knows bucket? is it what is a bucket is it oh oh we can't tell um but the, the fear factor was where they you had to do tasks that tested how scared you were and you oh, had to survive them. So, so it would be being buried with rats or eating this. And then they'd end with an amazing task where you'd have to, for example, cycle out on a, a really thin strip across out over a, a cliff edge and you'd be half suspended. And um, it, was, it was really exciting to watch. And at the time... You hadn't seen anything like it on TV. So that's a lot of that has gone into I'm a Celebrity. I'm sure they've watched every show. So wait a minute. This this programme seemed to pioneer Big Brother, I'm a Celebrity, all these other things. Not Big Brother. It it wasn't the – it wasn't really – a reality show. It was just – yeah, you just turned up and did the tasks and then someone won. 
so it, it wasn't the big brother element but um but yeah mo's been it's quite interesting because what what is interesting about i'm a celebrity and i've i've never really watched it that often before although you're always aware of it aren't you Although yeah. so, um if, you, if you're not british it's probably the biggest tv show of the last 10 years outside of the you know Brit, you know american idol well, well, x factor well, well, performance yeah yeah well, obviously obviously <laughs> repeats of timmy mallet um but what's quite interesting about it is because you have these celebrities mixing they are, they've all got their own interpersonal dynamic that is is quite interesting because there's a hierarchy naturally within them and so mo farah's kind of at the top of that hierarchy in yeah. terms of global profile but also he's actually quite a quiet guy he's even when you hear him in interviews where he's just one he's he's nice he's he's chatty but he's not someone he's he's not got that flair to be saying bolt and so we've not really fair, seen to be fair no one has the flair of you say but like i in terms of i think we've talked about before like runners with huge personalities uh there's not even a one percent of them it's a zero point zero 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 one percent of them oh i don't know i think sprinters are all pretty fun and you've that, got and to be it and that's probably it that's probably yeah, yeah. If we talk about running as an entire entire community like to be that sort of flamboyant as it were i mean i'm going to say that david brown's um his his guide his running guide seems like he's got the personality of bolt from the is it jerome <laughs> do you remember do you remember those stories um but yeah it's it's interesting because he's 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 very we know already that he's very naturally talented um not just at endurance sports but he's incredibly skillful because he's won the cube before no one in the, in the history of this show <laughs> this, you talk, i thought you were going to say something else much, no. much more impressive no no but the cube is i don't, I don't know what the cube is so, you don't know what the cube I, is no all i keep hearing about is how he won this the damn cube and as though as though this is the pinnacle of human achievement <laughs> what, what what what's the cube what do you have to well, do imagine who wants to be in there remember when the first person won that that it took a long time right and that was impressive you, you can't win something like that no, without being what she wants to be in really. but it made it made national headlines when someone did oh yeah um, I can imagine. oh did it take ages for someone to win it then did they... oh yeah there's probably only it? been three people maybe four who've ever won it even now and if you think how um how how good people are at quizzes now but the cube is a an itv so prime time show bill schofield who obviously we love and it's really simple concepts where you have to go through different rounds and they're all based within a cube and they're all little challenges to do with with movement space balance but they're all very um they're very skillful but also you could just you, you can do it sometimes but not always so one example would be there's a a bowl with a huge number of balls in yeah and you have 20 seconds to get all of the balls out of the bowl and so you've got to you've got to shovel them as fast as you can or you start at one side of the of the cube and there are three platforms 
that you have to step over. You're then blindfolded, and if you touch any of them, you lose. So there are all these little things what? that are... Yeah, it's a so crystal mazy, is it? Yeah, exactly. And and they're all they're all really good because you look at them and you think I could I could do this. Like, yeah, but they're often trickier and no one's ever completed it until Mo Farah. And this is this has been and on what, for a and, long time. And so what is it it's it, is it like reflexes then or something or It's it's or, balance, or... it's balance, it's strategy, it's coordination. And he he didn't just finish it; he destroyed it. You start oh, with te- you start with ten lives, I think, and he had the vast majority of them left. He was just so good. So he's gone on this show, and it's interesting to see his. Everyone obviously looks up to him, and um, but he he's he's amongst celebrities where at least three of them. I'd say at least two of the guys and two of the the ladies are very powerful, entertaining characters. And so he's almost in the periphery of everything that's going on. But then he did a challenge by himself. Didn't realize how scared he is of things. Oh, really? Oh, my word. What was it? What do you have to do? He had to go to one side of a room put his whole his arm into pull out a metal cable yeah which had a key on it and on that side those were full of things like worms or offal or slime but nothing on that side was alive maybe the worms but um but it was just stuff that you didn't know and it was that unknown yeah you then had to drag the key that was in that unlock locks on the other side that were color coordinated and she'd have three blues and you have to figure out which one and then you had to put your arm into another hole so it's very temple of doom and there's a star that is on a you you have to unscrew it oh yeah so in that side you might have it might be full of pigeons it might be full of rats it might be full of cockroaches <laughs> yeah one of one of them had pigeons and so but i've i've never he's been one of the people uh, i've not seen huge numbers but he's he's probably been the second most scared of anyone i've ever seen on there after paul borrell after um oh i didn't see that one there's there's a, a dj called um jordan jordan north who is scared of his own shadow it's i mean it's, it's very oh, very oh, funny but this, this series oh yeah libby's talking about yeah him, about how he's scared of everything yeah but it's interesting because mo I, I just didn't think mo would be like that but he does well you know it's fair play to him he is so scared the whole way through and he just plows on still um but if you can youtube it do anyone around the world even if you don't know what this show is youtube mo farah i'm a celebrity and Ant and Deck are there watching him, and they've they've seen eleven series, maybe more of this. And during Mo's, they can't stop. Um, I can't remember if it's Ant or Deck because obviously no one knows who, who's who. But Ant's one of them. On the left. Ant and ah, Deck. Ant's always okay. on the left. So it was on the right. <laughs> Is that right? That's, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Why what about th- right? Okay. Why do you think I always put? I always say Jody and David on all all of the stuff we do because that photo fo- that photo we've got of us that we're using everything is me on the left and you on the right. So it's Jody and David. I just thought you wanted to be first. <laughs> well, that's true as well. 
Half white. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, get, get on YouTube and, and watch it because it is very, very funny. Um, now, I've got a new show for you Ooh. that I think a lot of people will be watching now. It's, it's one of the recommended on Netflix, and I don't know whether that's because of my viewing habits or whether it's their newest show. Have you heard of The Champions? We are the champions. Yeah, just called the champions. Oh, is it? Is this the cheese rolling one? Yes. It's the cheese rolling one. It's also the chili eating one. Is it a bit like the home game one? I haven't watched it, but to me, it felt like it was like the, it was like local, re, like some local strange events. That's yeah. It it do. does feel very much like home game. It's although it's probably more focused on the competition rather than home game was it was even more random but what i loved about it firstly the chili eating one as you'd imagine oh i don't know what all the ones are the only thing i saw was the cheese one what, what are the what are the different things they focus on so they've got the the cheese rolling which is good because they focus on a a female who's won three times who is just amazing she's just super cool wonderful person and uh, the danger a bit of the history and it's not until that's when you ever see when you see hills in photos or on films, you can never get a sense of it. Right. And there's just one angle that halfway through you see the actual angle of it, and like, wow, that is absolutely nuts. Um, and just seeing all the injuries as well, and it's ah. Oh. But they had chili eating, really good. They had um, dog dancing. What? Which was yeah. So it, it's like crust, but you dance with your dog. Then Is this all British? No, no. The, okay, this one right. was. This one was. I don't think the British were involved in this one at all. Actually, the chili eating was in America. Then the the really good one, which I loved, was frog jumping. What? <laughs> jumping over have, frogs? No. You, the person whose frog jumps the furthest wins. And what I love this, and th this is something that I, I thought this was really interesting about like human psychology. And then it made me think about us as runners, whether it's something we do as well. So for one, what I loved about it is everyone who entered was from California. And they kept on talking about how they were world champions, how they were, and there wasn't anyone there who who was from out of the state. But they kept on referring to it. It was the like world, world famous, world this. And they're like, come on, guys. Come. But it was the level of detail that some of the people went to in their their capturing of frogs, their breeding of frogs, their training of frogs, <laughs> and. And, and and obviously people, they, they've they got all these, I think they're superstitions, but they've got all these methodologies now. And then at the end of it, it's won by an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> because it's completely fucking random, as you'd imagine. It's bloody frogs jumping. And oh, that, I just thought that was so delicious. their life to it it's just shown to be completely random completely luck and i wonder how much of the stuff we do is like that where we go through our, our different processes and we have our our pre-race um oh, all yeah, our pre-race habits and 
and how much is it we almost need to justify to ourselves that we've earned it by doing all these extra things no i completely agree i completely agree have you seen um talking about primetime tv and i only know this um because you only watched it the other week they've seen the wall with danny dyer is it a film no, no, no. It's, it's, it's prime time BBC One. This is what BBC One pay for now. Basically, it's called The Wall, and you have to put these balls at the top of a wall, and they drop down, and they either go into something that's, um, you know, it's like a pound, ten pound, twenty pound, fifty pound, hundred pound, thousand pound, ten thousand pounds. <clears throat> and if you get a question right, the ball drop and, and it's a, like a green ball. It drops down, and you get that money. But if you get a question wrong, the ball drops down, and you lose that money. Oh, interesting. It lands in. okay. okay. So it's totally you can answer the questions right or wrong to decide whether your ball's green or red, whether you're earning the money or losing the money. But apart from that, the whole thing is completely random. He talks it up an absolute storm. He go, it, it, it's like um, tipping point. Deal or no deal. Yeah, like it, like Noel Edmonds, you know, where he was going. Oh, I love your strategy. Oh, I think your approach is really good. You're like, what are you talking about? They're just picking boxes. There is no strategy. But they'll be saying to them, they'll be to this. But all this, all the person has to do is answer a question right or wrong, which you know that's completely within their you know whether they decide it. But all they have to do is put a ball in this chute, and it ends up at the top of the thing, and it drops. That's all they have to do. And he's going. Oh yeah, and but people will be jumping around, going, "Come on, come on!" Over to the side, like, "What? What are you doing? None of these things are affecting anything at all." But they. This sounds like my type of show. Is you just sat there, and you're just wondering why are they just throwing themselves around the place? What? He's just constantly going, "Oh no, I like, <laughs> I like your strategy." Oh yeah, clever, very clever. You're like, "What are you talking about? Very clever? It's totally fucking random." <laughs> It's totally <laughs> random. It's, I, it is a giant, basically, a, like a giant 2P machine that you get in, in an arcade. That's essentially what it is. But, yeah, you should watch one. Yeah, no, I will do. And that's what they need to do now with, with mainstream entertainment, isn't it? They've got, they've got to have a way in which an every man can be a winner. And you do that by introducing complete luck. <laughs> <Then suddenly>. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the interesting thing, the one we watched, it had basically a family of doctors and they they won something like 170 grand i'm like just just about a yearly wage for one of them so not that life changing and then you'll have someone on there you know who's like desperate for like desperate for cash and they'll come back out with eight grand or something so does that mean you can end up in debt (laughs) (laughs) oh that would be amazing if really stupid (laughs) (laughs) we came here with nothing and we left with Fucking 20 grand worth of <laughs> We're walking home. <laughs> we can't afford it. Well, talking... This this is um, this is quite a weird one, talking about needing money. So, do you remember quite a few years ago when we first started the podcast and I was contacted by a, a Kenyan runner, like a really top-level Kenyan oh, runner? Yeah, 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 I remember. Who wanted to be friends. Um, so... He's recently been asking me for money. Oh. And, yeah, and uh, I don't really know what to do. Um, he, he's not been in contact for three years, and he reached out saying, hey, how's it going? How's, how's Corona? You know, we're still training hard. And I 
a message back one of those like yeah great training love it yeah that, that type of um non-committal not really knowing what else to say and he's now just said yeah we're not we're not able to compete that times are hard can can you send me money for food so i messaged adaranand and said is this common like have you do you get messaged this and he said he does from time to time as well um so i don't i don't know what whether that's, just, that's the trouble is i obviously don't know this person at all but they they clear they they are a legitimate runner and this isn't a um it's, it's not a nigerian scam uh, and that's the thing if if this person generally needs food because they haven't been able to compete then i obviously want to help them but at the same point i don't really want to encourage that kind of behavior if they don't need it for survival so i'm not really sure what to do and i'd, I'd read at the beginning it, it was something i'd actually mentioned to bring up in the podcast i had out my notes but never get around to it there was a whole article talking about the, the finances of african runners in lockdown because a lot of them budget based on performance um, based on appearance fees and, and so obviously there's nothing they can win now or nothing no way of them to earn money because they don't have sponsorship contracts in the same way so um so so what about so what about the organizations who support them when they when they go and do the races and of course take their cut and, and everything else like that what role do they play in this situation i'm not 100 percent sure how I think it, as you as you say, is a cut as opposed to a commission, and so it's a commission as opposed to um, they're an employee and they take a salary. So a lot of these runners now are are earning nothing whatsoever for the for the year when they potentially have a family and a, an extended family who are relying on them. Maybe it's, I might do a bit more digging around and try and figure oh, it why out. Why are you? Why are you? I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm the breakers guy. That, yeah. No. <laughs> what? what? Yeah, and I, it does make me wonder how many. In fact, I'll check on Facebook how many other Western people he's connected with. It, it might just be random. It might be because of the podcast. And, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, and maybe it is a just a, a good strategy in general and i'm a sucker but uh, we have two mutual friends but they're both very very high-end runners looking at it there's mcculgan <laughs> so maybe this has been a um yeah he does have five thousand friends so maybe yeah i might ask her and see if she's been contacted Hey, has anyone else, any do-badders, had this experience as well? Because obviously we want to help people out when we can, but at the same point, certainly don't want to encourage that. I, I, like, I am so sceptical of anything like that. Mm. So sceptical of um, any kind of approach like that. Even if it was, I don't know, I, I suppose like if you're desperate, you've just got to do whatever you've got to do, haven't you? Yeah, it's a different culture. I had a friend who has been living abroad several times and in very poor areas. And he 
he's had his heart broken from friends asking him for money after a year and a half and suddenly then saying well no this is this is why we're friends and he's realized that you can never escape that dynamic of people who are desperate and and we value so we we view human interactions in a very um privileged way yeah the best way to say it because all of our interactions are all for pleasure or are all for you know they can be just for the sake of the interactions well, yeah exactly exactly there's yeah the, you you can't really judge people on doing that because they yeah they you're right it is it is totally privileged completely yeah i just so, I um, don't know, the, the reason i can't the reason i can't comment is i just i, I don't I, I just don't know. I just don't know, like, if I got an approach like that, how I would handle it. I think, if I'm honest, I think I'd just ignore it. Because I wouldn't... I don't, I don't think there's any chance... Or I'd find... It's just... It, I, I suppose we're not used to that directness. Mm, Normally, you yeah. ask, you know, if I... Well, I wouldn't. Uh, typically British. I'd be like, oh, do you know anyone that may be able to help with this? Or something like that. You know, never ask straight ask a sort of a sideways question um, mm. that in order to give the impression that, that oh, I need help or, or something. I suppose that's the, that's the difference, isn't it? Um, but I've, no, I, I've never been in it. I've never been in a situation where I've needed money like that, in that, in that kind of way, because of, um, I guess, a difficult, it's a difficult thing to, to even yeah. imagine. Do you better? Has anyone else been approached by not just a random person, but someone who is clearly a legitimate person who um, comes from your own community, your own network, your own world, and, and had those experiences? Any advice on, or, or anyone who actually is linked to African runners? You know, are they really struggling at the moment? Is is this something that you know we need to be? trying to help people in the because they are our you say, you say african is it i mean that's that's quite a broad catch-all term there sure is it is it, is it, is it are, are we talking about well, I, I get or, I, I, or I guess anyone that's anyone that's uh, that they've been relying upon an income due to racing yeah i guess anyone relying on an income due to racing and are they are they are, where are they based are they based do, uh, this is the thing what do, have a lot of them been caught in in Europe because of the lockdown and the, no. struggling with living costs? Or no, no, not. I don't believe so. There will be some, um, but I, I don't believe that's the case. And actually, the the Africans I know that, that race in Europe who aren't based there, a lot of them do still train at altitude and, and ship in for the season. Right. Okay. Yeah, but um, yes. I'll I'll do a bit more research because it'll be interesting to actually know and to understand. Yeah, do badders. Have you ever been approached for that? That's an interesting one. But just email us, letters at badboyrunning.com. Um, there, we... must be, there must be some kind of organisations to support them. I mean, like, you wouldn't... You, you wouldn't... I don't know why there would be, though. I know, yeah, exactly. I don't know. This is, the, the dynamic is so strange. And, you know, our Africa... So it, are African runners, for example, covered? Do they have insurance? Will they be supported if they're injured? All these things. I've just got no idea whether there's yeah, any... Can you, 
Yeah, um, even if they've got insurance, would that would that that would probably be invalidated because all insurances are being invalidated by COVID, aren't they? Yeah, I was just thinking more in general for how. Oh yeah, how you know, runners are, are are perceived and do they have fallbacks or is it all or nothing? Well, before we get into Pout, I've got a new race for you that I was reading about a while back that Sorry, I thought. What, what's this? A what? A new race format. Oh, race formats. Oh, okay. Oh, come on. And people have been going crazy for Big's Backyards with the running 4.16 miles every hour for as many times as you can. Now, there's a new race where you have to run one mile every hour for as long as you can. What? That's going yeah. to be worse. Yeah. That's and be much worse. Yeah, but then for some people, you could imagine it could be indefinite, right? Yeah. Oh, so the, that, is, that is a proper test of endurance. That. And which would you run? Which how? Which would you run more miles in? Do you think? Probably bigs, wouldn't you? I don't know. I. I it partly depends on your work, you but exactly. <laughs> <laughs> as, you, as you're carrying on as your divorce is happening around you as your wealth is is ebbing away as your job disappears on the horizon and the, as you i'm still i'm gonna persist but this was a this is right, a has someone done it has someone done it yeah they and interestingly enough they so they got to 11 days which but it only adds up to 244 miles yeah, exactly. which is still a massive amount but actually over 11 days you think too well, bad what have you been doing <laughs> <laughs> what have yeah. you been doing over 11 days that's nothing yeah so um it's i really like it as a format it's obviously going to be tricky because it just takes too long but um i'd love to know how, what the actual whether there is a limit on that or whether that is actually that complete balance where someone could do it indefinitely. Well, two people could do it indefinitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just quickly. To, it's the same format, is it? You just go until until you're the last one running. Um, well, this one was actually, similarly, two people have to be in it to keep on going and then you, you don't carry on when you've won. But because it was a virtual event, one of the competitors didn't put a one on the Google spreadsheet to let people know that they'd done their mile, even though they recorded it on Strava. And because of that, because of that oversight, they then lost. So actually, it was 11 days, but that was purely because of a, a, an admin error. It could have been that they were both fresh as you like and could have gone for a lot longer. Who knows? The record's there to be broken. But I don't know whether we're going to see more of these events as soon as lockdown finishes because if you've got a choice between doing that or going and doing an amazing ultra across some lovely mountains what are you going to choose no no that's the thing isn't it well i just we, we don't know what 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 bigger marathons are going to look like now i've got a um and you know spending money spending a lot of money on big events with no guarantee that you're either going to get the money back or get the money back in a timely way i mean that's uh 
that's a that's going to really make a difference. I've got a um, entrance. Uh, I was on the waiting list for Cape Wrath, and yeah. uh, I got one of the, the thing came up saying, "Oh, a place has become available. Just pay a thousand fifty pounds in the next five days." I'm like, "There's absolutely no way I'm going to be spending <laughs> any money, any money of that level in a race in the next for the next twelve months." Uh, yeah. So, and that would have been for May. Oh wow! So that is risky. What? Even even to race to race it, given that you've not been training that much, big step up by then. But, but... I've been losing. Sake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that it is interesting, isn't it? When we've had a year where we haven't spent huge amounts of money on running and on races, and whether that is going to change people's perception of value when i'm sure some of these virtual races will continue and some of these wacky formats are quite appealing because they do test you and they're unknown um, and they're a good story which is after all what you want a lot of the time with your races right you just you want something that's a bit more spicy down the pub um yeah so be interesting to see whether these big ticket events become more appealing because people want to to do something while they can or whether it's just going to be priced out i don't know i think i think the waiting lists for these things are just going to be huge now because there's going to be mm. so much pent-up demand isn't there people wanting to do you know all these all these races i mean what are they saying like i think they were talking today at the uh the press conference with, with boris that kind of getting the end is in the end it was the end is near <laughs> that would be a little bit ominous he said that <laughs> 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 the end is in sight for for it so you know they're thinking of like easter as things starting to kind of get to, to get a relatively approaching normal but mm. that's like and, and that's like best case scenario mm. april and so you think even by the time like you know autumn comes round when all the big city marathons have pretty much moved their stuff there then that may be that may have a semblance of, uh, of being able to, to to do it but you just don't know you just don't know there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand which could mean a lot of new races which is what we need if a lot of have folded because actually that's the, if there is all that demand someone's going to find a home for it hopefully it will see a resurgence of races where others have folded um drinking races preferably more of those we need more of yes those. back to the beer lovers but back um to beer lovers <laughs> from someone from someone who's done some of the biggest and the best races in the world it's um next up magical pal So do badders, we've got a treat for you tonight. We've had uh, many, many good runners, but I think this next guest is probably our fastest trail runner we've ever had, which is saying something. Um, you probably know him from winning the, the World Trail Series twice and UTMB. You may have known him as Pau Capel, but that is wrong, people. That is disrespectful to his whole family. He is furious with you. So welcome on the podcast. Pau Capay! Hey! <laughs> How are you doing? Good, thank you. I'm glad we sorted the name thing out, you know, to begin with, up front. 
<laughs> it was annoying me as well. It was annoying me the fact that people kept getting it wrong. <laughs> Where are you at the moment? Where are you based? I'm in Andorra. I'm living in Andorra. Uh, I'm from Barcelona, close to Barcelona. San Boy de Llobregat is a, is a town there, but I'm living in, in Andorra today. Uh, and is that where the family are based as well? My, my family is, is in Barcelona, but Andorra um, to Barcelona is only two hours driving, so uh, we're very close. You can probably run it quicker, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, like to, we like to go to the beginning of people that we interview and, and really find out what motivates them to run and, and how they discovered running. I, I understand your kind of entry into running was, was almost an accident. Yeah. Yeah, I, I started running when I was 20 years old. So it was, it was really close uh, from, from today. I'm 29. So yeah, before the running session, I was a, a football player. I, I played football and I broke my ligaments and the menisque of my left leg. And after the chirurgic process, the doctor recommended me to run in the in the mountain. And I and I asked him why because I have never run there. And and he told me try to try to do it because I think that you will like it. And I went to the mountain and it was incredible incredible feeling that I had never lived before. Uh, I ran only 20 minutes in the mountain, but I was alone in silence. I chose the way that I wanted to run. Uh, I listened animals. And when I came back home, I was like, wow, this is a... <laughs> in, in the football, uh, soccer, uh, everybody was with bad words, uh, pushing all the time. Uh, and in the mountain, it was incredible I, I, totally different and the day after i came back the day after i came back i came back and i was running ultra trails after seven months of my operation wow and were you still oh go ahead jerry i'll say this there's, there's, there's two things there that jump out firstly how good a footballer were you and like i mean like a footballer from barcelona <laughs> There's a there's a big big thing to live up to that. How how kind of good a footballer? Kind of what level were you playing? I I played. Now I don't know in in English the name, but it was uh, sail football. It was a uh, five people for team, so a small a small court, and mm. I played in a good level, but not professional first division. It, it was I think third division of of this sport, but the people that is playing in football, uh, especially in this sport, uh, can't win a lot of money. So, yeah, it, it was not a, a bad change. If I would if I would play in Barcelona, in Football Club Barcelona, maybe today I would not. <laughs> I will run. And, so, but the second, so the second point was, I've never heard of a doctor who prescribes going out for a run. Yeah. <laughs> after an injury that's i want your doctor prescription yeah 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 it, totally it's true eh? normally the doctors after uh, this kind of of operations don't recommend you to run in the mountain on, or run because they say oh it's dangerous the impact and be careful because you have a big injury but i don't know why but he asked me uh, do you think that maybe you you would like to, to run in the mountain i say 
maybe I, I can try and yeah it was I think the best the best decision do, do you still know that doctor does is he aware of how your your running yeah. changed yeah he knows all, all the history and all the process so yeah normally when I when I have this kind of interviews or or in a newspaper uh, he asked me Pao if you say my name maybe more people will <laughs> I, say, I will I will say your name in, in Catalonia. And so so now does that mean that every single patient of his, he hears your story and, and there are now pregnant women running up on the hills and people with broken legs running on the hills and just everyone from his doctor's surgery is like, come on, you have to be like, pal, come on. <laughs> maybe, maybe more people will run, I don't know. <laughs> and and do you think, what what do you think would have happened with your football career? you hadn't been injured and you you hadn't started running no i think that I, when i was playing football I, also i was studying i I'm, i studied engineering so i'm in general after that i studied a, a master of business direction so i think that my life um, maybe i think it, it, it was for for injure engineering career and i think that the football it was only a, a hobby that i had and and when did you really change from being someone who was just doing running for the enjoyment to someone who started to think maybe I should start competing? Uh, when I start to be a professional, do, do you mean or not? I, even before that, what, when did you change from just going for a run to deciding I'm going to train, but for a purpose? Uh, when I when I finish uh, my career of engineer. Uh, I think that I start to to train more than than before. So it was on 22 years old, but I think it's important today and for the people uh, know that this is a process. So when when you practice the first day, for sure is really different than after one one year, and after one year more is totally different. And you need to be step by step. When I told you that. I start uh, after seven months my first ultra trail. Before this, I did a race of 21, of marathon, and then this ultra trail that it was 86 kilometers. But it's important to know that uh, today I'm a ultra trail athlete, a professional athlete, but before that, it's nine years. So in these nine years, it's a big process to learn, to, yeah, to improve, and to plus more kilometers, so it's important for the people know that uh, anything is is for tomorrow. So all the things that you do is for the future, and you need to know that one step always is is better than the the step before. Because even even that time is actually quite a short time to go from someone injured to running your first tour. I, I'd normally, if I was to coach a runner. Who was a, a you know a good runner? I'd say actually, if you want to race this, you should start around seven months before in your training. Yeah, yeah, but this is a process, eh? Uh, they say that you think that you say that. Uh, I think that when when I did my first running, that the running of twenty minutes that I explained you, uh, I was three months without coach, and I was every day I was running. Uh, I don't know how many kilometers, eh, but maybe 20 kilometers. The day after, 20 more. 
Then, if I had more time, 30, or if not, 15. And every day it was only this running, this running session. Uh, I was competing a lot. Uh, kilometers, 10 kilometers, 21, this distance, during these three months. But one day, I remember totally uh, that I was competing. It was a race of 25 kilometers, more or less. But I was exhausted totally on the uphills. I couldn't run. I was like, what happened on my legs? And I, I was exhausted. And I decided to start with a coach. And it was the best decision of my life in, in, this, in this professional life of trail running because with this coach, I learned that it's not important to run more every day. The most important thing is run better every day. And some days I train one hour, some days two hours, but every day I improved. And then after this seven, this four months with her, uh, so three months alone and four months with her, I did my first ultra trail. If if I would not start with her, I'm sure that the first ultra trail would be totally yeah um, bad bad race. And but it was special eh, the first race. That's why uh, the experience that I lived there. Uh, that's why today I'm ultra trail runner. And, and and what actually happened in that first race? How did you do, and and did it live up to what you were ex- expecting? Uh, my expectation in the first race it was uh, only finish. So I remember that I I hadn't the headlamp, for example, and 24 hours before the start, uh, my girlfriend told me, "Pau, but in the mandatory equipment you need to have this." And I say, what, "What's this? A headlamp?" I didn't know, and I, I I need to buy one one headlamp, but but yeah, it was totally amateur. But I, I lived a special a special moment because uh, I think this is the the totally the totally history of my of my life of of trail runner. In the kilometer twelve, I thought that I was first, but I was not first. I was lost. Uh, running. And I was, oh, I'm first. No, nobody's here. So I'm, re- I'm really good. Uh, I'm first. Well, no, I was lost. And in front of me appears one, one guy. He was lost also. And I told him, oh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not in a good way. And he told me, no, you, 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 you didn't know that you are lost. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, so and he told me, no worries. Follow me. And I will try to, yeah, to, to go in a, in a good way. And, and we, we start again the 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 way of the race and i told him okay because it's my first race so i i don't know uh what i need to do now so i will follow you totally so i was follow, following him kilometer 12 more or less and we we ran again in 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 the good way of the race so imagine we were on the on the last part of the of the group uh so we need to run faster faster and we we catch people 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 and in the kilometer 42, uh, the race it was 86 kilometers. So in the middle of the race, I remember it was in Menorca. We arrived in a beach. Uh, my family it was there eating a paella in front of the sea. Incredible, incredible situation. I arrived exhausted there, and I I watch my I look my family and I was like, I stopped here for sure because I want to eat this paella. <laughs> with this trip. for me 42 kilometers is enough thank you very much i finished here and he he told me 
I didn't I didn't meet him before. Eh? He told me, if you finish here, I finish with you. And I remember that I was like, how it's possible that this guy that came from friends with the family, now he decided to stop with me if I decide to stop. And I thought I was totally honest. And I told him, okay, I'm tired, but I will try to finish with you. And we finished second and third. And Whoa. the finish line, 100 meters before, imagine we were together running, uh, and one, 100 meters before the finish line, I asked him, um, um, what's the name of him? I don't remember, but I, I asked him, uh, sorry, we are in the finish line, so we need to decide who finished second or third. Please pass in front of me. You finish second because, uh, because you are better than me. And I finished third. And he told me, okay, I finished second. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, no? But one meter before the finish, he stopped and he pushed me. And I finished second and he finished third. After the, I was crying because I was really young, 21 years old. Uh, I was crying and with my family, a lot of hugs. Oh, we're, we're very happy, blah, blah, blah. Then when I stopped, I was in silence and I was like, how is it possible that this guy decided to help me during all the race? I explained him all my life. He explained me all his life with the family, all of these things. And in the finish line, he decided to give me the second position and he finished third. And this thing, this solidarity situation, it was the, I think, the thing that it was special for me, and I decided to do ultra trails for this. And after that, I finished a lot of races with people. But maybe because in my first race, I lived an special experience. Wow! And and at the end, did he place a, a kiss on your forehead and then disappear? And he just he just flew up to the sky and the the clouds because he sounds like a proper angel. No, yeah, maybe he's an angel because uh, the name is Sylvain. And he is the the uh, the boss of Compressport. Whoa. Whoa! So are you now sponsored by Compressport? And I start with Compressport. It was my first sponsor after this 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 experience with him. And I didn't know that he was the boss. Is Sylvain is is the creator of the of the brand. And I was dressing with one Compressport uh, calf because I had an injured. And during the during the race, I remember that he asked me, uh, "Pau, do you like this product?" And I told him, "Yeah, uh, I bought in in a in a in a shop, and yeah, because I had an injured, and and yeah, I think it's useful." And he told me, "Okay, okay." And after after the race, he came to me and he told me, "I'm the boss of this," and I was like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> thank you so much." And that's that incredible. I just had to be an athlete of Compressport, and today I'm not from Compressport. I'm using other brand, but but yeah, yeah, it was a good start. Well, what I would recommend is if you do some trail races in England, particularly on the South South Downs, don't run into the bushes because you might discover something very different. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, did did you get a sense? before then that trail running was a different um, community and is is that something that's important to you that connection with other runners in each race 
in in do, do you mean that if it's important uh, the the community of the running in the races? Yeah, is that something that that kind of attracted you to running, or was that just also a bonus? Yeah, uh, for me, for example, in in I finish with a lot of people in the races because uh, the ultra trail is is different than a race of twenty one or forty two kilometers because in ultra trails, uh, for sure, you are running like other races, but is another dimension because uh, you arrive in the top of your performance and then you are living with your mind and not with your legs and in the races of 21 or 42 kilometers mm. you don't have time to arrive in this in this level because is the, the distance is short but in a in a long distances you live different dimension and that's why uh, you when, when you're running you are not focusing in win 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 you, you are focusing in past kilometers because it's, it's too long and then if if you are running with other athletes you you help him because maybe after when you will be tired he will help you and and that's why in some races i finish with people and the community of of the trail runners in ultra trails i think it's different than other races in a short distances because is another dimension. It's like a species. Mm. It's different. But at, what point, at what point did you realize that actually the, the really long distances were for you? Is there, is, was that uh, just a feeling that, that, that you realized or, or, or were your speeds better? What, what led you to, to decide like the ultra trail was, the, was kind of like your preferred length I, distance? Because I can leave other things that I can't live in my normal life. So in my normal life, I can train 21 kilometers, 42 kilometers. I can train, but I can't train 170 kilometers. And then when I am in this race in uh, 100 miles, for example, I'm living a situations that I know that I can't live in my life. It's only in the race. Yeah. And I'm arriving in dimensions that I know that I can't live in my normal life. And that's why I'm a lover of ultra trails, because for sure I run 21, 42 kilometers, other races, short races, but for preparation of these long distances. And also because my family is coming with me. In all the races, you will see in the checkpoints or in the refreshments, my family helping me is my assistance. And I think this connection uh, is only possible in long distances. Uh, I I can't explain better because when I want to explain, I'll, I always say, please do it. Try to do a, a Nuta trail. Uh, if you train for sure, if you if you are healthy, if you train, if you have a coach, if, if you have a nutrition, if you have a good preparation, do only one race in your life. And you will see that you will change for sure. And I always say that uh, when we will die, I hope in the future, 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 but everybody will die in one moment. We will not meet 100% ourselves. It's impossible because in every race that I run, I meet myself one point that I didn't meet before. I... Ah. I take a decision that uh, I thought that it was 
not possible for me, but I did it. And I was like, wow, you did this? And I didn't know that I could do it. And in every race, I discovered one thing. I discovered one thing. And I will, I, I always say that when I will die, I will meet myself only 99% because always. <laughs> and, and so when you reach those moments, what is your, what is your mind telling you before you conquer that race? And, and how do you then conquer what you're thinking? Uh, the, the mind sometimes uh, give you the best, the, the, the best way but sometimes give you the worst way. And I always, I always explain that I lived to, uh, I think, the worst moment in my life uh, during a race. Uh, and it was when I was running and I was thinking, if somebody come here and kill you, I will be happy. Imagine what your mind arrived in what dimension that you want that somebody if kill you or push, uh, push you on this downhill no worries for me it's okay because and it hurts so much maybe and and you're very tired and you know that you you must run and you must to run six hours more ten hours more and you are exhausted and you imagine that in two hours the pain will will be more than now and your mind can give you the best the best way or the worst way uh, but you need to learn uh, i remember that when i was running 80 kilometers i lived not this situation but this kind of situation and now i'm doing 100 miles and i live this situation after 120 kilometers so i learn during the years and during the years this situation is going later later because you are learning and i hope one day i will not live more this worst way of my mind but but yeah i lived in two times this yeah this this feeling and are you learning confidence like is is it because you know you've run that distance before that it gives you the strength to overpower that voice and win for win this battle uh I was in a in a um, coaching session, uh, so I learned uh, a little bit uh, with a professional, and after that I, I apply these these learnings in in my races. But um, when I'm running, I, I today I'm doing different strategies depending the race. Uh, but the first one is have my family around me. Uh, when I I know that I'm arriving in this limit. Uh, I call my family. Before this limit, I call my family. I call my father or my mother or my sister, my brother, or some friends that are there in the race, and I call him. Uh, I'm very tired. I need your voice. Uh, tell me, what, what do you want? But tell me something. And he, he starts to explain me uh, where I'm there, uh, what they do, or whatever. And this is one strategy that before I, I didn't do, but today I'm doing because your mind is changing because it's listening one voice and boom, it's changing in another part of your brain and you are not thinking to, to jump in, in this downhill. 
and and the first time that you did that um because mm. jack jack told me that you you phoned your mum from utmb uh during yeah. the race yeah the the first time you did it were they worried because i think as a parent i'd be extremely nervous if i suddenly got a call from my son it's kind of 120 kilometers in and 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 had you have you now got a strategy for for preparing them for what to say do they have an idea of things that will will help you my, my family know that i'm a little bit crazy so he knows that uh, sometimes he can they can receive a call or they can receive a letter that i send them and, and yeah they, they i advise i advise them uh, that can happen some something crazy things no but for utmb for example last year uh, i planned the race with four calls so my strategy it was i'm not going to run 100 miles i'm going to run one marathon later one marathon more later one marathon and one marathon and when i will finish the first marathon i will call my father and my mother because they were there they were in the hotel sleeping and i knew that more or less at 2 3 in the morning a.m i will call i will call my mother or father and i will inform them that hey, mom i'm really good i crossed my marathon good night and i <laughs> <laughs> my phone and she exhausted i exhausted no she, she was i don't know in english but she was uh, like what is Pau doing <laughs> or what is he doing and and i remember that he started to to call me a lot of times like this guy is crazy and i remember that i was like off 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 because i <laughs> to call her uh, to say i finished my first marathon my strategy was call you and i did it i'm going to the second marathon and the motivation it was arrive in the kilometer 40 84 uh, arriving in Kurmayer to call my ex-girlfriend and I called her that she was waiting me in the checkpoint but she but was your your girlfriend at the time right not your ex-girlfriend <laughs> when you called her <laughs> no no it, it okay okay that would be really weird <laughs> that's weird <laughs> that would be that's dark haha <laughs> <laughs> yeah look where I am now loser I'm gonna loser. win where are you I'm angry and I want to let it out on someone <laughs> no 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 it was my girlfriend uh, and i called her and i did this for in the kilometer 84 in the kilometer 120 i called my my coach and arriving in chamonix i called one good friend and it was my strategy and in in all the races i do things like this sometimes i call sometimes i write a letter and i give the letter to my assistants or to my mom after x kilometers so i like to play with my yeah with the people that is around me i like to play with them during the race because it's it's one thing that is is good for for run for me yeah you always carry a phone a pen and a notepad just in case what what do you always have a pen you always have paper no no, no. Always... i write before the race ah okay i was like wow how good is this guy running down hills with pens and like quills and <laughs> no i write before and i i because before the race i prepare my strategy uh I'll, 
so my timings and also the strategy, my mental strategy and this mental strategy is like this. And yeah, in some races I I write, I, I did it in in some races I write and and then is the motivation arrive in the kilometer thirty and I give this letter to my father. And it's father. incredible. I've never heard of of someone planning their mental strategy with such detail to even have those pre-written notes beforehand has have you ever been in a situation because of course you're relying on phone calls you're doing mm. trails and that's it have you ever been in a situation where it's it, it's either it's not worked or it's backfired and you've seen the other side of it not work yeah there's no reception like there's no reception or or, or people haven't been where they're supposed to be has that ever happened um not yet <laughs> and and with your coach you put your coach nearer the end because you might want to have a conversation about how you're feeling and, and to talk about the race itself. Um, did the strategy come into it then? Uh, before the race, you mean? No. So when you call your coach at 120 kilometers, is that so that you can tell her about how you're feeling? And No. It got, the, the calls, it was only for, say, I cross the marathon thank you so much because i love you and and that's that's why i wanted to call and because today here in spain i don't know in in your country eh, but in spain uh, years ago it was more common say i love you but today i don't know why but the people is shy and the people don't like to say i love you Pal, if you want to say you love me, I'll take it. I'm ready. Let's let's do this. Let's do this. I love you, pal. I love you. It's fine. It's important. Well, that is around you. I love you. Why not? Because look, today we are in a in a in a crazy sanitary situation, no? And some people is is dying, but maybe it's it's late. If you say I love you to some people that is going to die, why not we say I love you before? And that's why in the races I like. In UTMB, I did the four calls only to say this, eh? for sure. I call my mom and I say, mom, I love you, pa uh, father, I love you. Put up. And my, my girlfriend, for sure, she knows that I love you. And the coach, the same. And the friend, the same. And that's why my, my colleague was only for this. You should maybe call your rivals during the race. That would, <laughs> that would really confuse them. If you're I like, you. I'm already well, at the last hill. I love, I love, you. love you. I feel great. I've already done three marathons. Bye. <laughs> uh, sometimes when, when, when I'm calling, you try to say the, the good things, but then when you put off, you are, oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> are, you, are you very emotional then when you get tired? Yeah, 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 yeah. I well, when you are tired, your emotions increase more because you try to to take things that give you life. Mm. You are going down, and you you must to take things that give you some life, some new power. And for me, the family give me this power, and that's why. It, for some people, maybe maybe not. Eh? Maybe other things, but you you should yeah focus in your sight what things give you power and for me it's this and and have there been any things that you've you found actually drain your power that either before the race or during a race you've had to change to make sure that that's not going to be a focus uh, I, I i don't know if i if i understand the, the question oh okay um so 
have have there been you say that these things give you strength um emotional strength yeah, are yeah. there any are there any things that that do not give you strength that take it that stop strength that you've tried to um stop being in your life or in the build-up you try to make sure that these things are not in your mind Oof, I, I don't know now what things can be i don't know it's a bad question it's a bad question cut it Nick. editor cut it cut no, it actually, I, I, I read the i mean we'll, we'll probably talk about this in a minute but reading the the race report of your of your sort of breaking 20 attempt um yeah. like there was a comment in there that you made about the thing that that was worrying you was the amount of the amount of pressure from the press and the media i mean how how much has has that changed in terms of you know it, all of a sudden you know, you're getting so much more attention is that is that something that you have to try and balance is that or was it just in that situation that that it, it felt like you're under a lot of pressure uh yeah i think that i lived too much too much pressure before the race uh i managed i managed this pressure before the break in 20 weeks before with the interviews with the television i think that i managed good but during the week of utmb uh it was too much it was too much i had the television of spain the television in japan uh where what uh, was there uh, and also all the people that it was there the interviews the magazines uh and i didn't explain a lot uh this but i'm going to explain you what um the lunch before the race i just start at 6 6 p.m so i take my lunch i think it was at 2 p.m 2 30. i was in the balcon balcony of the house uh i was there uh, with my dish of pasta and and poulet but i don't know in english chicken uh, and i was alone because i wanted to eat alone i start to eat and after i think one or two minutes i start to cry and it was four hours before the start eh, only and i was i didn't know why but i was crying uh and then the my family came my my manager the people that he was in the house and asked me about what, what happened and i told him i don't know but i i think that i can do it but i i'm feeling a lot of pressure I know that in the start line will be a lot of people, all the eyes are on me, and I'm Pau Capel, uh, for sure. For the people, I'm the, the last winner of UTME, the record of UTME, blah, blah, blah. But for me, I'm the same like always. I have my parents here, uh, my manager, my brother, my sister, and I'm not different. But for the people, I'm different. And I don't want to be different because I I can't manage this situation. So I think this is the the worst part of the professional athlete. This pressure that some people give to you uh, because the expectations are really big. Uh, and this is really good because for me it's, it's a good help for the sponsors, for the image, for the repercussion. It's really good. But in the other balance, I'm I'm a, I'm human and you need to learn to live with this pressure and it was too much for in the breaking 20. And, and do you think that will change how you approach 
races and FKTs in the future, will you be more nervous about setting a very high goal or do you think you'll you'll do that still and learn to live with it? I think we, we must to, to, to live with this. Uh, so well, imagine Kylian Jornet. Kylian is living every day. Kylian did 10Ks two, two days ago and he did uh, well, days ago, no, weeks ago, but he did um, less than 30 minutes. And this is an incredible, incredible time. Yeah. But imagine for him start this race. It's only 30 minutes of running, but he knows that all the eyes of the world of of athletism are in this race for him. And he will have a good messages and bad messages. But the time is incredible. And imagine how he feel inside him before the start. Uh, when he knows that he must run in 28 minutes because if not, the people will say, oh, this Kylian Jornet and he, he's not fast, but he did incredible time. So I think that this kind of pressure, uh, you must to, to learn to, to live with this. And it's really good to have this pressure because helps you to improve. If not, if you don't have pressure, sometimes you train normal. But if you have pressure that you know that Xavier Bernard, François Daen, the best athletes of the world will be in this race, you have the pressure of improve because the best athletes will be there. And if you don't train good, they will crash you. So that's why the pressure is good if you know to manage. And, and when, which, what was the first race when you suddenly felt that pressure for the first time? When did things change from being a normal runner to suddenly being someone with a target? I, I think that it's different. Eh? The pressure that I lived in Breaking 20 or in the project of Relief the Legend of Menorca is different because I was running alone in mm -hmm. the race. It's not a race, it was a project. and But the people lived like a race. So it, it, the pressure was different because all the pressure was on me. When I, I'm going to run, uh, for example, UTMB uh, last year, I feel pressure, but the pressure is for all the athletes. So the eyes were for me, for Xavier Bernard, for Scotty Hawker, for different athletes. So you have a part of this pressure. But when I start to live this, it was maybe three years ago. When I start to to be in the top of the of the start line, and and when did you first think? What was it? That, what what race made you f suddenly think I can be the very best? I don't remember when when it was, but maybe in Lavaredo it was the the first race that I start to feel this that i maybe I can be the best, but. I, I have never, I have never think I'm the best because I, I'm a coach, so I'm training different athletes. And when one athlete say I'm the best for the race, I say you will not win because when you will leave during the race that you are not running good, you will stop because your mind will start to win you, and your mind will say to you, if you are the best you should run fast and you are running slowly and the the runner that is behind you 
or is in front of you, he is running faster than you, and your mind start to win your performance, and you will stop. So, I have never think I'm the best of one race, but I I thought I'm competitive with with other athletes because if not, I will not start. So, going to that first to, to the UTMB win. Yeah. Talk us through that race. Like, what were your expectations going into it, and you know what went well, what didn't go well. So the expectations two days, I two days, two years before the UTMB of 2019, uh, two years before I finished sex. Uh, so the expectations it was improved the sex position, uh, but uh, the preparation of UTMB it was really hard for me. I trained a lot. I think it was I I have never trained more than this preparation. I went. In, in the UTMB track with other athletes, I invite them to run with me during four days and I studied these athletes. I studied Zach Miller, I studied uh, Scotty Hawker, I studied Marcin uh, because I knew and uh, also Hawks, uh, the USA guy also. Uh, I studied them because I, I knew that they were one of the of the favorites of the race, and I invite them in the track of UTMB to to train with me because I I wanted to study them and maybe for example Zach Miller, I pushed in one uphill and I was thinking I'm going to see what is doing Zach Miller, and Zach <laughs> Miller was pushing. and then I was pushing more than him only to to know what the what it was the re the reacts of Zach Miller. Uh, and I was studying him. And then Scotty Hawker in a flat, or Marcin in the downhill. And when I was in the race, I knew that I could win Zach Miller in this part of the race, or this other guy in the other part. So I had a, a, a big study of the competitors. But that's why it was, the, the I think, the best preparation of my life. So it was like an exam, and before the exam you study so I study the athletes. I went with him uh, in a way in in a track to study him, and also I train a lot. And do you think they realize that you were doing that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh amazing! I love it. And no. and were you were you surprised? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm we... sure that they, they don't know it. And were you surprised that they agreed? Because because that's the thing about. The community, it is such a friendly community yeah. that it is, I can understand why they think this is great. We're just hanging out, loads of good runners. It's such a nice, are you worried now that you're not going to be able to go for runs with good no. runners anymore? No, 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 no. I know that if, if they know it, I know that they will, yeah, they will say it's funny. So also, and if if they were running with me, they had the opportunity to study me. So um, I don't know, but I know that yeah, Scotty Hawker, he finished third. He knows this. He knows that when I was running with him during the track of UTMB before the race, I was studying him, and he knows that I did it, and he don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
And and friends. <laughs> was there a moment in the race then when you were with the runners, um, either with Zach, and and you actually thought this is exactly how I'd planned, or or did it not fall into place like that during the race? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when when we start, we start together, but in the kilometer three, I was alone. So in the kilometer three. I was in front of the race with Scotty Hawker and the Chinese guy uh, of Salomon. They stopped uh, to do a pee. So I was alone in front and behind me, 200 meters behind me, it was the group. So Scotty and the Chinese stopped and I was alone running in the kilometer three. And then I ran alone all the race. So the situation, it was... It was not on my plan, uh, and I was only following my timing. So I knew that in Lejuge, I should arrive in thir- in 31 minutes. And I, when I arrive in Lejuge, watch 31. It's fine. Second, Saint Gervais. In Saint Gervais, in one hour ten, I arrive in Saint Gervais one hour ten. When I ra- when I arrived in Saint Gervais, I didn't know if I had some athletes in one minute or in 30 seconds or in five minutes. I didn't know and I didn't want to know because I wa- I wanted to run with my time. After San Gervais, uh, Contamines, one hour. When I arrive in Contamines, I check, one hour, good. Next. And, and how do you estimate that, that time? Is it because you know the route well enough now or are you aiming for a specific finish time? No, I... I so I did a, so imagine, it was, for me, it was the exam of my life. And before the exam, I studied. Like in engineering, I was writing in a paper all my strategy, all my thoughts. And I was like, okay, Paul, uh, you must run like this, blah, 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 blah. And I was writing in a, in a paper. Eh? And then I was writing the timings and I was writing the nutrition. And two weeks before, I was studying with the paper in the sofa. I was studying. When I started the race, I knew the plan. But you, you know, you've you've said before that your head is so much, your mind is so much more important in these long distances than your body. If, it's more, it's more important. If, so, given that that's true, and you have this plan, what would happen if you were running a hundred miles in a hundred kilometers, one hundred twenty kilometers, with someone? where changing your plan would change no. their plan more because no. you if, would you, if you are confident you follow your plan if not we, if not if you are not following your plan is because your plan is not good if your okay. plan if your plan is your best plan that it's possible you will following him and you will follow your strategy if some athletes is running faster you will know that if he wins, really good. You will applaud him and you will say, you are the best because I had the best plan and I followed my plan and I thought that it was the best, so I'm following this plan. If you are not uh, really sure that your plan is good, I'm sure that you will not follow in the plan and you will follow the runner and maybe the runner explodes and you will explode with him. If you did a good job before, you will follow your plan. And sometimes this is the best way. Sometimes your plan, for sure, if your stomach is not good, if your if your feelings are not good, 
your plan is changing for sure can happen but you know that can can happen and you must to have your plan b and and have you had that before where things have been going well but you still not hit your plan what what can you repeat have you had it before where things have been going well and you felt good but for some reason you've not been hitting your plan yeah you, i had the plan a and the plan b yeah you are mean this no you're saying this yeah 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 so um but if would you because i understand it it's it sounds as if your plan b is if you feel bad or if your stomach goes or maybe if you fall but um my my question is more if you feel really good have yeah. you ever had when you're good and you, you still don't hit your plan a how how does that affect you does, does that mean that you feel unconfident or do you just try and stick with the plan stick with the plan stick with the plan interesting okay so um good if you're not feeling good for sure the plan is changing but if you feel good your plan is the best plan that you can follow imagine that we want to go in a bank to take money and we are we are three and we have a plan but to, to take the money in a bank is complicated because we have a police we have people inside we, we must to have the best plan and before the attract is in english at attract before the attract uh we did a good study of uh, the door is open or not after the door we have this table here we must to go left and then we will have the reception and we say give me the money and the gun is here if you are not following your your plan the police is there and they will catch you so i mean it sounds as if you've got a very detailed plan of how to rob a bank and <laughs> <laughs> it's worrying I, I, I would humbly suggest that you probably couldn't find two worse people to rob a bank with. <laughs> <laughs> no but your plan should be do not rob a bank with jody and david <laughs> but no, i can totally see that i can totally see that and um so going into utmb this year um what how was your plan different to to 2019 had you written your plan out did you have a plan in your head before things became obvious at, at the end of 2019 did you think i can improve here 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 yeah the plan that i did in in the in the utmb of this year of breaking 20 it was worse than the plan that i had year, the, the year before so the, the year before i had better plan i prepared more than this year and yeah the plan it was run faster uh, but i think that i did mistakes that's why i didn't run under 20 hours if not i think that i could do it but the plan it was not the best so the police could take <laughs> and and you, was your preparation not as good then was your training not as good or were you just unfortunate on the day no i think that i start uh, too much fast i think that it was it was not in the plan i arrived in lejuge under the timing five minutes under the timing of breaking 20 that i had so for the wow. breaking, i had one time uh, i need to arrive in lejuge in 30 minutes 
uh, in this point, in this, in this, in this, in this. And in Le Juge, I was under four minutes or five minutes of my plan of breaking 20. So imagine my legs. Mm, yeah. And... Much. But she... what happened? The pressure won me. Before, the... before the start, I don't know if you have seen the, the start, but it was too mm. many people. Mm. And imagine, it was the, the boss of the race, it was there, uh, television, and I was really stressed. I wanted to start. So when I start, I was like, Pum! I want to go. And what happened? In the kilometer 120, I was exhausted. Did you think if you'd have had other people running with you, it would have allowed you to assess your pace better? I don't know. Uh, these things I don't know, but I think also this is a is a point that affects me uh, because some people was was running with me. The people wanted to do the best job to help me. And what happened? Uh, one guy is running with me. He stopped. Another guy stopped and he stopped. Other guy stopped. These athletes want to run fast. Mm. And I try to push with every athlete, but I arrived in one point that I couldn't more because I was I was totally exhausted. And and how do you look back on it now? Are you has it made you more hungry for <laughs> for success or like do, do you have regrets? I want to repeat. So yeah, after the, after the breaking twenty. I analyze, always I analyze. If the race is, is like UTMB of 2019, I won, I, ana I analyze the race. What I did good and what not, because always you do some things that are not good. But for the breaking 20, when I finished, for, I was really happy because I did 21 hours, 17 minutes, and, and this time is a podium in UTMB. So for the year that I we lived with the COVID, it was a good time. But I didn't make the breaking twenty, and this was my my goal. I ana I analyzed a lot of things that uh, we did bad, and for the next project that it was in Menorca, these bad things didn't happen. And what happened in Menorca? We did two hours less than the record because we did a good job, and that's why the strategy before the race. Sometimes, not always, is more important than the race that you can run. And and do you think if you hadn't done UTMB and you'd have turned up to Mallorca with as much hype and as many people, do you think the same thing would have happened there? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because actually it's, it's, it's quite nice that you've, you've not lost a race through your biggest mistake which is which is a positive right you could have uh, you could have come fifth or sixth or something yeah yeah and and was there any do you think at any point were you considering dropping out or not finishing once you knew that under 20 wasn't possible no no because i wanted to finish uh so imagine for me the pressure also is because my family was there so my parents, my, my father is 70 years. So he's moving around the world with 70 years to help me. And, and my mother is 64. So they are not young. And then there it was my friends, 
they paid a, a bill of, of flight or they paid a petrol to go there. And also my my sister, my brother and, the, and my manager, the family of my manager, a lot of people it was there. So when I was exhausted, I was thinking, you are exhausted? Fuck you. You need to, to finish because these people is here to help you, only to help you. And and for me, and they they don't want a t-shirt, they don't want a shoes, a backpack. No, they want that you finish and you will be happy and you will you you can give a hug with them. And I was thinking only with this. When I was exhausted, I was saying, guys, I'm I'm exhausted, but mm. continue with you. In the last uphill, I stop in a rock. And I think it's a video in YouTube. Uh, when I when I stopped in a rock, I remember that I stopped uh, and I was <laughs> I was exhausted. And I told them, guys, I'm here, walking or running, for you, eh? Because you are my friends, and I want to finish only because you are here. If not, I think that I I would finish, but it would be more difficult. But I'm running for you, and I think you have. You you must to have this kind of power inside you. Mm. What motivates you in a race? Uh, your friends, your family. I don't know. Maybe other things, or or your or your dog. I don't know. But you must to have these things around you to to help you. And and does that create challenges for races that aren't as easy to get to? Do you do you now choose races thinking? I'm not sure that my family and friends can can afford to come or can be my crew if I do these races. It can happen. It can happen, but then I have the I have the phone. Ah, okay. And when they're there, uh, what have they been trained to? Do they know about nutrition themselves? Are they have they got strict instructions on how to yeah. deal with you? Yeah, I, I give the, the instructions. Uh, so. For them, I try to to uh, I don't know in English to have the the easy situation for them. So for them is a pressure also. Uh, one friend that came with me and he's coming with me in a lot of races this year uh, told me after the race, after the breaking twenty, uh, the project, he told me, "Pau, uh, I was nervous with pressure." I, I didn't manage this pressure. My friend told me. So I didn't do a good job before the race with, for him because maybe he needed more information, maybe, I don't know. But I tried to give them all the nutrition plan, all the timings, all the points that they can go to follow me. I prepare a Google Maps with the points and I give them the link of this Google Maps and they can only put in this point and they go there. So I try to give them the, inf the information to to do a easy life for them for the race. But what is your nutrition plan like then? Uh, the nutrition plan. I have a nutritionist, so I always say that when when you don't know a lot of one point, uh, ask to the professional people. And I have a, a I have a nutritionist girl, and she prepare all the plan of the race. She asked me the timings. And then she prepared, and then I I studied, and I give to my family this information. And, and I, I I eat. If you ask me, what do you do of nutrition? I eat normal food, so I don't prepare 
crazy things. No, I eat normal food. Sandwich of of marmalade, sandwich of cheese, uh, cheese like Bobby Bell. Uh, I don't know. Um, sweet potatoes, rice, gels, bars. Uh, for sure, the the isotonic and the water. Mm. Normal food. And and before you spoke to her, did you make some mistakes then that made you think I need to get a professional? Ah, for a lot of mistakes. Always a lot of mistakes. But that's why today I have a nutritionist because. It- <laughs> This sounds like a this sounds like a big mistake. A couple of big, yeah. big mistakes that, what, that moved it to to getting a nutritionist. Yeah, what was the worst? What? What was the worst mistake? Uh, drink water in a river. Mm. Yeah. I I remember I drank water in a I don't know if it was a river, it was the the where the where the coast coast in English? Yeah, coast, yeah. The cows go to to drink, so I drank in the same in the same in the same place, and I remember in, I remember in the kilometer ninety five, I was like walking. I don't know where I am because my stomach it was closed. I feel bad, and yeah, this have never happened more. So you got a nutritionist, and she said, "Don't drink from rivers." <laughs> <laughs> and you went, "Thank you. This is why I'm paying you." <laughs> So um, now that you've done these these two K- FKTs, where do you see? It, obviously, we're we're restricted a little bit by Corona, and who knows what's going to happen for the next year. But do you think from now on you're going to be doing a mix of of SKTs, and or is it always going to be the big races, the the, the World Series, and, and UTMB that's the most important? I hope I hope that the races uh, will manage the situation uh, with security, but we will. I hope that we will have races, the most important races: Transom Canaria, Madeira, I don't know, eh? Hard Rock, Western States, UTMB. But I'm sure that the situation will be different. We can't leave the same starts. Uh, that we lived before. It's not possible. Maybe this year, this next year is not possible. But I don't know in the future with the yeah I, with the solutions of this COVID. Maybe yes. But the next year, I know that will be not possible. And maybe yeah, we will have the races and the projects. And I like it. Eh? I like the projects. This year, I I discover a new wall of the projects that I love it. Because it's is yeah it's stress it's pressure also that the pressure is crazy because it's not good because when you are living this pressure is like I don't like it but then when you finish is I like this pressure. Imagine <laughs> 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 your your mind is sometimes is crazy and I like the project so I I I think that I will do some races and some projects. And are they your ideas or are the sponsors also? giving you the ideas and, and how much of the pressure is from them and, and, and do they create? So uh, for the sponsors, never, never, never they say to me what I must to do. So because what's happened, they know that uh, the mind, I explain them that I explain them that the mind is really important. So if I'm going to a race that I don't want to run, 
I will not win. Because in one point of the race, we lived a bad moment. And in this bad moment, I will think, oh, fuck, I'm leaving this because the sponsor want me to run this race. And now, look now, I'm not enjoying, blah, 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 and I will not run good. So always I say to the sponsor, no worries, because I will run the best races in the world, or I will try to run the best races in the world, and I will do some projects. For the projects, if you want to help me, more than welcome. Help me, because you have more experience, and you can recommend me to do this project in this way or in this other way. But the project I must to be inside of me. I, I want to do the project, because if not, I will not do it, because I will not enjoy it. So it's very important to the sponsors say, I will be in front of the big races, but the races that I want to do. And I'm not stupid. I will run the best races in the world because I want to run with the best athletes because I'm competitor. So for this, I have never had problems. And, and with the big projects, because Killian now is at a point where he's probably one of the, the only runners who's managed to almost step outside the sport. And by doing all these really different projects, He's as well known by someone who likes football as someone who likes trail running. Is, is that something that you're aware of in your future plans? Is that something that interests you to build a profile outside of just running? And, and are you going to then use your, if so, are the projects a way for you to, to, to build that profile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's, uh, this example is, 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 is really good because, um, during the life, you live different moments. And, for example, Killian, I think that he won the best races uh, in the world. And after after that, I'm sure that he thought, now, Killian, what I'm going to do? Mm. On the best races, I need to focus my mind and my performance in other ways. This project, I want to climb this, this big mountain, blah, 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 blah. In my case, this is not happened. I won UTMB, it's very important. I won Gran Canaria, but I have never won Lavaredo. I finished second. I want to win. I want to win Hard Rock. I have never run in Hard Rock or in Western States. So during your life, you arrive in some moments that you can decide your way. But today, I, I'm a, a performance athlete and I want to compete and blah, blah, blah. In the future, when I will be tired of, of uh, competitions, races, and this, I think that I will focus more in projects, but I think it's not the moment yet. And, and do you get a sense of how much will be enough? Because, for example, uh, Camille Heron, we know really well. And when, when we, we had her at a conference and the last question was, like, when are you going to be happy? And she said, when well, I'm the greatest of all time. That was her phrase. <laughs> and do you, do you get a sense if you were to win, you know, hard rock and to win all these races once, would you then feel that you've achieved your goal and look for other things? Or have you got a desire to create a legacy of, of, of being someone who wins and wins and wins? 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think that for me today, today in 2020, is win the best races in the world. For me, I have a list of races that I want to win. Uh, after these winnings, I don't know. I don't know if I will be 40 years, 35 or 50. I don't know. But I will analyze if the motivation to run races is more than to run projects, for example, or to finish my career and to start to work in a... A sport company or like in general, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's when some people ask me, for example, when do you think that you will stop to run? I say, I'm 29. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow I I wake up and I think I don't want to run more and I finish. But maybe not. Maybe in the future, 40 years, like Toful Castañé. Toful Castañé is 46 years old. And in the TDS last year, he finished five or six, I don't know, but he's 46 years old. So imagine the future, how, how can change. It's, it's changing today with the COVID, imagine. Mm. I love the idea of you at 49, where you've, you've won every race except one left, and you're like, <laughs> oh, man, I want to retire, but there's one left. I've still got to do. It's the worst one. It's, it's, I don't even like the country. Uh, I can confirm you that with 49 years, I will not uh, competing in races. <laughs> run races, but not competing. Yeah, I bet you will. Even if it's your 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 kids' school sports day, you'll be there competing, guaranteed. <laughs> now we, if if it's okay, we've got a few questions from the the listeners. Um, some of them quick, some of them not so much. So, uh, first one is. Um, Actually, so an Ant, Ant's Adventures, he's asking about your sponsorship. Like, do you, are you in constant, do people constantly approach you to sponsor you? Like, do, you're with North Face, um, but do you, do you have people from Hoka and from Nike and Adidas? Is that now part of your, your almost your life, having to manage all of that? I, I for for this the, the the answer is yes. Some some other brands contact me after UTMB, for example, but I don't manage the sponsorships. Uh, I have one manager, and he's managing all my sponsors. I have twelve sponsors today. The, wow! The, yeah, the best one is is the North Face, but then I have other eleven sponsors and some collaborations during the year with brands uh, like this. That is a cream. Or other other brands, uh, rings or something, no? And what is, a, what's the most unusual one? The the, the most what? The, the smallest company. The smallest uh, is yeah is uh, is not the small, but it's small. Uh, if you compare with North Face, but this Xavier Moore is a chocolate chocolates brand, and he, he oh. makes a special chocolate. For uh, big restaurants, uh, the best hotels in Dubai, in some places like this, and and is Xavier Mor is a Catalan company, and he's a friend, and also he helps me. But this, do you do you deliver it to his, his best customers as, as part of the <laughs> <laughs> someone at the someone up at El Bulli at the, the top of the mountain? <laughs> 
So um, next question is, um, I don't understand this question. So I, I think it sounds like a perfect one to ask. <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's a food that, that may be a Catalan food that I'm not aware of. It's, it's from Ross Blandford. It says, does P.A. Amb Tomaquette feature in your race nutrition strategy? Did you know what that means? Tomaquets. Tomaquets is tomatoes. Oh, <laughs> why would but, it be Pat pa pa Amb? Pa and the first word is Pat pa Amb. P-A-A-M-B. Ah, okay. Bread with tomato. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. Bread is P-A is bread in Catalan and A-M-B is with. And tomaquets is tomato. So bread and tomatoes is, is popular in Catalonia. So for breakfast, for example, we, we take bread, we put the tomato, and we do with this with tomato to have bread with tomato. And he's asking me if I do this in the races with my nutritionist plan. And uh, okay. The answer is not. I don't eat tomato during, during the race. <laughs> tomato is acid. I don't know in English, acid? Yeah, acid, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not helping you in your stomach. So before the race and the breakfast before, always I take bread with tomato. Um, now we've we've had quite a few questions about your training. We've we've not really gone into that. Um, one question from um, from Stefan Pratch is: Do you do a lot of cross training? Yeah, I do a lot of cross training all every day. Uh, I train running, and also I train with my bicycle. And also I train in the gym. In the gym, I, I don't do a strange. Uh, now, yes, but because I'm in a recover period, but uh, in a normal period, I don't I don't do strange, but I, I work with with core, with three aches, with the strange of my legs, and also bicycle and, and for sure running. But yeah, always. And, and in your heaviest training weeks, what would the total mileage be running? cycling and is there high intensity there and what's the breakdown between mountains and non-mountains uh it's depending the the moment of the year so normally i train 30 hours per week uh, and then this, with these 30 hours in andorra i train more with bicycle so it's more 60 percent running 40 percent bicycle but in barcelona i train more running why? Because in Andorra, we have a big mountains. So uh, the impact and the effort when I'm running is more than in Barcelona that we have less mountain, more flat, and, and the effort is less. In Andorra, we have a lot of big downhills, uh, really hard downhills, and that's why after we need to, to have this cross training to don't plus more running uh, yeah, training. So here in Andorra, I train half and a half, and in Barcelona, I train more running and cycling. But 30 hours per week, you can do the mm. mathematics. And, and what kind of, um, would you still do fast speed work and kind of hill reps and things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speed works, yeah. Uh, two times per week, I, I do series. And one time is short series with recovery never series, and another time is fartlex. 
So working with long series doing this far leg. Now we've got a question um, from Sarah Whittington. Why do you think Spanish trail runners are now so good? Uh, well, we have a lot. I think that in, in Spain we have the best athletes in trail running. Uh, the first one is Killian, but then we have other athletes that they are not famous, but uh, for example, Andreu Simon, maybe you don't know who is, but he finished second in OCC last year behind uh, Stian. And oh, if the race uh, maybe was two kilometers more, I don't know if Andreu could win. But we have Andreu Simon, we have. I don't know. I have good athletes there. Um, new athletes that is are coming from both. Uh, so it's a, yeah. I think that we will have a good, a good athletes in Spain. And, and has, has trail running been part of your tradition and your community and your heritage for a long time, or is it, is it still quite a, a new sport? I, I don't know if if it's, if it was. Yeah, in the past we had a good athletes. Uh, the, the the world champion Agustí Rock, he won uh, short races uh, in the past, and he was a, a world a world champ. But it's more the culture or the families that wants to go in the mountain to walk or to pass the weekend or yeah share time in the mountain than competition. But these last years the competition is increasing, and that's why I think that we are competitors in, in the last in the last. Uh, in the last UTMB uh, 2019 all the winners uh, were Spanish Luis Alberto won CCC uh, Pablo Villa won TDS and I won the UTMB so and Andreu finished second in OCC so we, I think that we have a good years in front of us if we train good to, to be in front of the Spanish people and um, I'm aware that we've we're quite well, we've we've taken a lot of your time, so I won't say all the questions. Um, one question is from Gavin Law, G Law. Have you have you ever DNF'd a race? Have you ever DNF'd? Um... Yeah. Every year I had, except last year, one DNF race. So when I start the year, I think, what will happen with my DNF this year? And <laughs> the DNF. So I I did the DNF in Lavaredo when I had these stomach problems, and before Lavaredo I think that I had one in Madeira, Madeira Outta Trail. Before my second position, I I did the DNF in the kilometer 42 because I didn't want to run more. You didn't want to run more. It you, you just didn't feel good, or no, no, because I was running and I was like, why why I'm running kilometer 42. <laughs> I was in front with Francois, and I remember that I told Francois, Francois, I think that I will finish here in the in the checkpoint, in the marathon checkpoint. And he told me, what, what, what do you say? Because we are in front. And I say, yeah, but I prefer to go in my bed and wake up tomorrow and take the breakfast. And I finish. What 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 changed in that moment to when you're normal racing? Did we did you not care about that race? What, what, what I thought. Yeah, what, why do you think at that moment you didn't want to run whereas normally you do? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe because it was not my motivation. Because before the Madeira, I ran other Ultra Trail and maybe I gave my 100% in the other Ultra Trail and mm. I arrived 
data with good performance, but not with motivation. And I, it was 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. And I was thinking, you are running for <laughs> run. Your girlfriend is here waiting you here at 3 a.m. Why not? You go to the hotel, you rest, and tomorrow you take the breakfast with her. Why not? I'm going to the hotel. <laughs> and I decided... You see, so, we we made that decision in every race. <laughs> <laughs> this is our problem. <laughs> We're with a different girlfriend. So, um, and the last question is uh, from Paul Furnish. Like, do you have a a special celebration at the finish line? And if not, like like the Mobot or the Bolt, are you going to create the Pow? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, is is this could be good, eh? Like this, yeah. the Pow. Like I think you should. I will do it in the in Gran Canaria if I can win again. But <laughs> when I finish, I said to my family, uh, "If you if you put in if you write sorry in in YouTube, Pau Capay UTMB or Pau Capay Transfran Canaria or Pau Capay other race Madeira blah blah blah, you will see always the same. That is try to the first thing is try to give them thank you, uh, and then yes, this is one thing that I do is. I put my tongue out, uh, outside like this, and I do always the same. But <laughs> but maybe this is good, eh? I, I like it. <laughs> you can do both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. Well, thank well, th thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, have you got any other questions, JD? No, no. I think we covered all. That's been brilliant. And if, if people aren't following you already, what's the best place for them to follow you on Instagram, Facebook, or? Instagram, I, I use a lot. I I like the community, so I like to yeah to, to have this communication with the people. So Instagram, I every day I, I publish things in my stories for sure, and yeah I I did a lot of posts. So if the people wants to follow me, in Instagram is the best the best platform. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Good luck with Gran Canaria. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the pow at the finish. <laughs> and if you're ever in London, let me know. We'll, we'll take you out for the, uh, for the trails of London town. <laughs> it will be a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, pal. All the best. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, pow, 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 pow. Pow. <laughs> what legends. Oh, he was great. It, that was, again, it was one of those ones where I did not expect him to, to say those things that he said about, mm. the, 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 you know, strategically knowing that you need to think about your, your mind through a race. I mean, every, everyone that's done 100 miles knows, you know, that you have those things, you know, 100 miles above 100 miles and everything like that, knows that you have those things. But to specifically plan them in, to have the wherewithal and the maturity to know, I need to do this, 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 and this, mm. as though you're planning in your nutrition or something else. It was just yeah. incredibly forward thinking. Yeah, and the fact that he wouldn't break from his timings is, is really interesting because I guess you've got to have the belief you can win if you're at your best or that you're in with a shot because I think I'd always have the temptation try and do something to mess up the other one's plan because because it, it is a race ultimately isn't it it's not a time trial and that's the difference yeah yeah it, I, 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 I think that's part of my psyche is I enjoy that 
thought and by focusing on someone else in some ways it makes it easier for me yeah it's, I'm not, your, I'm, it's your coping mechanism yeah you exactly. don't want to speak to anyone in your family <laughs> <laughs> i'm just all, trying to think what all ex-girlfriends <laughs> yeah i'm just trying to think what if i because if i phone my dad at three in the morning he'd be like hello I'm like, all right dad it's david i've just run a marathon he'd be like okay good 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 um that sounds, um, that sounds pretty good my if i phone my dad i i think i'd be called a combination of a loser a wuss uh it, he'd, he'd ask me if i was winning if i wasn't winning then I, i'd get a barrage of abuse um, <laughs> and then he'd tell me about some blisters he had on his feet and i know that because that's pretty much ev- what he does every time he's support crew when i do i like, I like the fact he waits to find out if you're winning he's like are you winning this time well, well it was close last time it was close. no 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 in, in the sense that it, he'll obviously for my dad classic dad if you're, snip. if you're not winning you're losing <laughs> and that's it and you still call him you still call him <laughs> still, um, call him. still call him but it, it makes sense to have those and it's interesting that i'm surprised he has it at math and distance because in my head, even when I've done longer races, halfway through, or, you know, not even halfway through, 26 miles in, you're fine, right? You wouldn't feel that you'd, you'd need that desire to, to call your parents so early on. And I'd almost think it would be yeah, more it's powerful. It's prepping, it's prepping in advance, isn't it? It's, that's the thing. That's what he's re- he knows how he's going to feel yeah. and how his mind could wander and, 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 and do those things. Um, it's really interesting he said that thing about thinking your mind thinking oh um, I, I wish someone would just push you off the edge here or I wish mm. stuff like that because it absolutely has happened on races I know other people have, have said that where they think I wish I'd break my leg now so I yeah. could legitimately lie down and not move again and that must have come to that must have come to so many people in, the, in your first marathon you just want to you just think if I just stand on that bottle I've got an excuse I don't look like I'm wussing out. People will still get the money and I can go home. It's that opportunity to not lose face, but also end it. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, it's just so nice actually to, to have such a positive message. Um, And I know some of the listeners would have probably wanted us to go and dig a bit deeper into training plans and nutrition, but he was, he was too good a guest to, to waste on technical stuff. He's, I think it's he's, he's too interesting. It's conversation. Go listen to a podcast that deals with those those kind of things. Um, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, but that pressure of being by yourself, the only person that essentially the whole of UTMB has come back to see you do this well, by yourself. The problem isn't it? Like people are desperate for something. Like, are, <laughs> it's so desperate. Some suddenly they're hanging everything upon you and this performance. Um, which is incredible. But I think it was interesting because just before he mentioned Killian, when he was talking about pressure, just before he mentioned Killian, um, I can't remember what it was I watched about Killian. And Killian had that that thing of, or, or at least it reported this in this documentary about he, you know, he won all these races and mm. then he kind of, he, he lost all enthusiasm for it. He lost all purpose. And he, he hated the pressure because everyone mm. was now after Killian. And then, and then that's when he started going in for the, for the for the projects and stuff like that. And it's quite, I think it's quite similar. It seems to be quite a similar journey that 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 Powell's going on. 
that you know all of a sudden now he's kind of at the front mm. he is be you know he's having to deal with those things but he seems he seems to have an incredible coping mechanism with it and having such a rigid plan protects you from that to a degree because he obviously did stick to his plan with the 20 hour sub 20 hour attempt but you know he's he clearly has learned from that and the good thing is he's not going to change his race for anyone as he said so actually it doesn't really matter if people gunning for you he's going to train with that with a hard focus and then not change from his game plan no matter what yeah i wasn't expecting the bank robbery analogy i do think that, <laughs> that was actually a very good analogy if if we weren't involved in it but it's true but it's true it's like either you can't come up with a plan that's the, i mean that's a really difficult thing that anyone that's run a distance of that length will know i mean i would i'd just be interesting to hear like more you know some from a, a like elite you know front of the pack um 100 milers uh, and, and above what whether they have a plan because for me the whole thing about 100 miler is that you have a general plan you know where you want to be but actually so much changes in it you have to adapt so much it's a constant constant shift and you don't know how your stomach's going to feel you don't know what you're necessarily going to get at some of the mm. things you know you th there's a certain amount that you can plan for but over that kind of distance thing like your mind things like you know the conditions you know that's weather can change over a massive amount over that over a 24 hour period or 14 hour however quick you run it and so actually adaptation is the thing so it, it is that's really different to hear someone going there is a plan and you stick mm. to the plan and if you stick to the plan perfectly and someone else wins it they're a better runner because your plan should have been the best thing that you put together that mm. I, I don't think i've heard that as a message before not necessarily saying that aren't but i don't think we've heard that as a message before in this podcast I like that as well, and I, th I think it's healthy because people become so obsessed with not being good enough or losing or um, other people, whereas actually if he's essentially running for himself again, in his own time, his own goal, and everyone else fits around him. You know, if he's behind, so be it. If he wins it, so be it. But he, it, it means that he, he can lose and go away happy which I don't yes, think many actually, people can do. Yeah, that's really, that's a really good point. I do. I also like, I know your eyes kind of lit up a little bit at his, um, uh, his sneaky tactics to get some spying. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's skullduggery. Like, it reminds, it reminds me of the, um, you know, when Michael Jordan was filming, uh, Space Jam and he invited, oh, they, yes. they, they, you know, they set up the basketball court and he invited people, you know, the best players from all over it. And he, he used it to basically spy on them for the, for the next season that was coming up in order to, in order to be, it, that, kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, guys, let's just go for a, let's just go for a run. Let's just go for a really gentle run. And then in the end, it didn't matter because he led the whole race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great, isn't it? That's great, isn't it? After, yeah. after what, three kilometers, he was in front and that was it. But I do like the idea that everyone's going to take up his strategy and you're going to see at the start line all these people just comparing the notes and then being like, well, his, his finish is a minute faster than me, so I'm not even going to bother. And they're just looking at all their checkpoints and like, well, I'm coming last in this one, so I'm not even going to race. They're all <laughs> yeah, exactly. determined minute by minute so precisely. Yeah, no, that was great. Well, um, Dubellis, if you enjoyed this one, we first talked about UTMB with Robbie Britton. I think it was probably the first 
Yeah, he actually, so he's, if you don't know Robbie, he's in the GB 24 hour team and he specifically moved out to Chamonix because he wanted to become better at trail running. So he gave us an insight into what it was like training there and also you know, how he was adapting to actually changing completely the grounds he's running on because he felt he was a bit too limited in the, the um, stuff downs. That's a really interesting one. We speak to Damien Hall, who came fourth. Um, he talks about his training for that. We talked about anyone else to anyone else but UTMB. We've talked, yeah, we've, we've talked about UTMB quite a lot. James Poole certainly mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, as, as one of his very thing. We've slagged UTMB off. We've said good things about <laughs> UTMB. <laughs> and there's one episode if you can find it where I'm going to be crewing a friend. I realised. Oh my god! <laughs> I remember that. Didn't you? We, when we were talk, when he was talking about um, you know crew not performing their <laughs> job properly, I just this view, this thought of you running along the route of the UTMB to get to the next checkpoint in time. Yeah, into my mind. Yeah, I was going to mention that on the podcast. Similar thought. No, it's too self indulgent. I'll um, I'll, be, I'll message him about it. But um, yeah, any others you'd recommend, Jody? Good episodes that we don't tend to have as many. It's our first truly European trail runner. Yeah, I think so. No, I can't think of any others. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, just have a dig around, people. Have a dig around. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe. Please leave us a five star review. It helps us get the attention of people like Pal and give us the credibility to be able to convince them to come on. Um, and if you want to ask questions to people in the future, we do put a shout out on Instagram saying who's coming up. And as you can see today, we read out your questions, even if they're bloody terrible. <laughs> even if we don't, if we don't fully understand the language you're using in them, well, you could have been <laughs> saying something incredibly offensive to him that someone just put that the in. risk i was prepared to take you know anything for the listener take, take one for the team i've got your back and, and if you if you want to join the conversation join the facebook group bad boy running podcast answer three questions and we will let you in there is also so much merch available uh, that you can't wait including our brand new buffs the famous uh, black and red no cycling buffs as uh, <laughs> i haven't seen those <laughs> amazing well thanks for listening guys if you want to get hold of us it's david at jody at bad boy running and we're at com and we'll see you next time see you later bye 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 Fuck you, buddy.